Hello, and welcome to Within the Musician Podcast. My name is Monica Williams. I'm your host. I'm also a flutist, a teacher, recording artist, and lifelong learner. And today's podcast is an extension of my quest to learn. I have a very special guest with us who is empowering artists to have financial freedom. She believes artists do not need to choose between having a creative career and financial stability. And she's going to share her journey with us and give us some ideas on how to get started building our wealth. So I'm going to read a little bit about her before we get going. Nicole Hands is a bassoonist and saxophonist from Newfoundland, Canada. She is currently playing 13th season as the second bassoonist with Newfoundland Symphony Orchestra and plays principal bassoon with the opera on Avalon Orchestra. And she's the baritone saxophonist and has recorded and toured with two original albums of a jazz world ensemble, Ouroboros, who is the winner of the East Coast Music Association 2019 Jazz Recording of the Year. Nicole also teaches a private studio of bassoon, saxophone, and piano students at St. John's, where she also works as a youth chamber music coach and freelance recording artist and performing artist. So I am going to now welcome Nicole. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, thank you so much. It's so nice to have you. And you're up in Canada there, where I'm actually in the United States. What does Canada think of its neighbor to the south in the first week of January? Well, it's been eventful. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I think we're all feeling for you up here. And, um... <laughs> Will you accept us as refugees uh, Refugees when we, <laughs> when we need it? Oh, my God, yes. We're not all that different. Yes, I you think can house how many artists at your house there. <laughs> So, but I, I'm actually really excited to talk to you because this is something that I need to learn more about. So when I was go- scrolling my Instagram feed and I saw your your content, I'm like, I need to have her on our show, not only for our listeners, but for me so that I can learn more um, from you. So can you tell us just a little bit about yourself first, how you got started thinking about building wealth as an artist? Yeah, I guess um, it's been sort of a culmination of all of the things that I've sort of worked through in my career as an artist, Um, namely sort of the experiences that I've had uh, working in the arts and also sort of behind the scenes in in terms of committee work and advocacy and stuff like that, and just kind of seeing where where the holes are, I guess, in – in education when it comes to being an artist and also managing your own finances. Um, So I've been a freelance artist almost straight out of university. So Mm -hmm. it's been over 10 years. Um, And I always had this sort of binary assumption of what, um, what was possible. So what I mean by that is you can either have, um, a successful financial career of some kind, a nine to five job, or you can sort of do what you love and, and struggle. And I've heard, I've heard you kind of relay that concept as well. Like that's something that you've heard. And I kind of went, I kind of went with that. Like I just kind of took that as truth, you know, and, and I love music so much that I, that I, that I chose the the struggle, I guess. But, um, I guess there just came a time when I said there has to be 
there has to be another way. And that came for me in around 2016. I just turned 30. I guess that's also a time when people start questioning sort of their financial health more like, okay, not in my 20s anymore. Like, what what am I going to do? And um, I'd been married for a year. My husband was in school. And so I was sort of supporting our household financially. Um, and I had a, a bunch of different jobs, like not just in music, but outside of music as well. And feeling re- really weird about it, like that element of shame, like, what am I doing? Like, how do I how do I like qualify what I do as a living to other, to others kind of thing. And um, I came across a friend who had been uh, in music school with me. She's an excellent trumpet player and she had started a business around money mindset. And I was like, what do you mean money mindset? And she was talking about like your relationship with money. And I was like, what do you mean relationship with money? Like, what does that even mean? So I was so intrigued. I was like, yeah, tell me about that. And I took her course and it was like, oh my God, there's the, it's not binary. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. And, and I think when, when I, when I realized that, then I I started to see more opportunities than what I had seen before, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And to what you you say about like the, uh, our profession, it's, we both went to a music conservatory. I had no business courses or building wealth, you know, type of things. So you're really thrown out there. And I wish I would have come to this a little bit earlier um, because I'm, I turned now I'm 43. So I'm a little bit behind and I'm going to talk to you. I have some specific questions for you about building wealth. And, but first I just want to talk about, um, just this per- current time that we're in. So this building wealth time, you know, a lot of artists, arts have been hit hard, um, probably in Canada and the United States. Um, a lot of people are, you know, teaching and, and doing well with that. But when we're thinking about building wealth, we had another um, person, Catherine Eminette, who was mm-hmm. on talking about um, kind of portfolio artists. Um just thinking about an artist and this this binary thing that you're you're speaking of is the either or. Is this a time where artists need to kind of diversify their income streams to just get stability before we can really think about the building of wealth? What's your thoughts on that to those mm-hmm. artists? I know there's going to be some people sitting here like build your wealth. I'm just trying to pay my rent right now. Like, you know, Absolutely. So it sounds like in, from your, from the Instagram feed, it's not only just about building your, your wealth for the future, but it's also about feeling financial freedom and security right now. What would you say to those artists that are like struggling? I can't think about building my wealth right now. I just need to figure out how to, how to make it through these next couple of years. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, um, a few things there. I loved that the episode with Catherine Enemeth, I thought, um, she had some excellent points and that idea of being a portfolio musician versus a freelance musician and the element of sort of stability that comes from having, um, the way that I took it in my life is something that you have control over. So when, when, I, when the pandemic happened and, and the bottom sort of fell out of everything, the only thing that I could rely on was my own clients, my own students, the, mm-hmm. the, the relationships that I had personally built and uh, built and that I was, you know, in charge of. Mm-hmm. So I think that's so important. And that was a, a big lesson for me. Uh, to kind of come to as well in this pandemic. Um, 
I don't think at the, to your point of like being, being in your forties versus thirties versus twenties. I don't, I don't think that it's ever too late. I think, mm-hmm. I think that, um, however much you earn and however much you quote unquote, maybe struggling. And I, I know that that's so real. Like, like I said, I've, I've, I've worked on boards, um, that have had, you know, artists come, come for help, you know, just really in dire straits. I, and, and especially in this time, I mean, we're, we're lucky in Canada to have had, um, much more support probably than, than you guys. Um, but still, I think that it's just important to start from where you are. Um, so in terms of building wealth versus, um, kind of getting through the next little while, I think that until you take stock of some actual numbers in your life, until you actually confront um, in, in a full view what you have going on for you, everything kind of stays in the um, in the kind of what if, in the kind of um, maybe that kind of binary world again, right? It's it's easy, it's easier to say that won't happen for me, or or this is what is going to happen for me, until you actually like look at your numbers and, and say, well, this is how much I have in debt. This is how much I earn every year. This is my net worth. This is what my projected revenue is for the year. I mean, it's, it's easy to kind of feel hopeless when, when you're kind of surrounded by not only all the, all of the negative um, rhetoric that you can be subjected to in the music industry, which is like starving artist you're never going to get ahead. Like this industry is doomed. Um, so I think it's really helpful to kind of um, like get out of that anxiety for a minute if you can and try and confront your actual numbers and see where you actually are. And then from there, you can you can see at least one small step forward, whether it's, you know, um, okay, I'm spending this month, much per mu- per month, but I'm only earning this much per month. Okay, is there something I can do there? Whatever it is, is if it's kind of cutting your spending a little bit, if it's maybe you need to think about your housing situation, if it's maybe you need to think about whatever it is. What's what's one right. small step that you can take to, right. to kind of balance your numbers a little bit? Yes. And, you know, when I was reading one of your blogs, you you mentioned anxiety and, you know, just putting and doing what you're saying, putting your your numbers down, getting the reality of it and not procrastinating because procrastination is really a manifestation of anxiety. So you're, you're, you're anxious. So you, you tend, I can't do anything about my current situation. We're doomed, you know, as you say. Um, And, you know, I'm just always going to be the starving, I'm starving artist, um, which we know is not true. You can Mm -hmm. have a career. You have to think outside the box. And um, that's something I want our listeners to just kind of think of is that if you are in a situation, whatever situation you're in, whether it's one of those, you know, I just got to figure out the moment to moment or, okay, I'm in a place where now I can really think about investing and and securing my future, that it's really about putting the numbers on the table and just owning it and not giving into the anxiety because we have Mm -hmm. so much in the world. Um, and, um, there's uh, so many different levels and just taking that one small step forward, like you said. So what are some of those small steps that someone can take, um, if they want to take a little bit more ownership of their finances? What, what do you suggest to clients, 
um, that come to you with this? So there are a couple of categories. I like to think about um, the kind of things that we get automatically withdrawn from our bank from our bank accounts without really thinking about them. So, for example, even just banking itself. Um, I don't know what it's like in the states, but in, in Canada, we pay bank fees a lot of the time at traditional banks for you know just having a checking account, for ex- for example. And lots of people just stay at the same bank that they've been at since they were 14 because that's just, they just think all banks are the same, whatever. But um, there are tons of free banks out there. So when I realized that, I switched to a free bank. I started even just saving that like 15, 20 bucks a month and not having it automatically withdrawn from your account. It gives you a little boost, right? And you're like, oh, what else can I kind of stop, like stop the leaks in my automatic withdrawal? So um, credit card fees are another one. Like if if you have credit card debt, obviously that is one of the biggest things that you can um, address to to turn around your situation because the interest that you're getting charged is is huge. But if if you um, you can make phone calls, right? You can make phone calls to your bank to say, "Hey, I'm trying to pay this off. Can you lower my interest rate?" Really? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And they will often work with you if you have. Uh, if you just take that initiative to just take that one little phone call. And I know, like you say, how anxiety provoking that can be. Like, like you say over and over on the podcast, like your mindset is, is just a huge part of it. But if you can, if you can forgive yourself for whatever situation you're in, whether it's, you know, being in debt, whether it's neglecting your finances a little bit, if you can kind of release a little bit of that, of that shame and say, you know, I am where I am. I'm going to take that one little step forward. Then it becomes like a little bit, it feels a little bit better when you finally do say, okay, I'm going to make that phone call and, um, and see what I can do to work with this, this loan provider or this credit card company or whatever. Um, so looking at your banking is a big one. Um, then sort of like more discretionary automatic, um, transfers that come out of your account. Maybe it's subscriptions, maybe it's, I don't know, your electric bill or whatever, all of those things, maybe just your electric bill. Obviously that can be negotiated like your credit card company, but your more discretionary things like, like subscriptions, you can think about maybe putting them on pause for a month and just seeing what kind of an impact again, that has on not like feeling just all of this money just go out of your account every month, you know? Um, stuff like that. And then I think advice like um, like you were talking about with, um, did you, you know, just seeing what you can optimize in your own life and your own business already, like without going out and getting a side hustle or whatever. Um, raising your rates is a big one. I know a lot of musicians and artists in general undervalue themselves in a big way. If you ask yourself, when's the last time you raised your rates, either um, you know, as a private teacher or as a consultant or a freelancer or whatever, you might be like, oh, it's been a while or maybe never. Um, Even just a small increase in your fees can add up to maybe it's a couple hundred bucks a month for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I have a a little PDF document that I go over some of these things on my website as well. Yes. And we're going to, I'm going to link that, but go ahead and give your, um, give everyone your website now and I'll, and we'll do it at the end as well. Oh, sure. It's um, artistwithabundance.com, sort of my answer to the starving artist stereotype. Um, And I like to hang out on Instagram a lot and all my links are on there as well. 
Yes, and I love your I love your handle artist <laughs> with abundance because I just I love that not only with wealth but you know just the, again the mindset that we have abundance and and kind of looking at the the glass half full even when it is it is you know there is a lot in the world that's it's mm-hmm. impacting that so I have a lot of follow up questions. <laughs> Um, so thinking about the small fees, like the banking fees and like the Netflix subscription, I'm not willing to give up Netflix. I read that in your, sure. I'm like, no way. <laughs> but again, I get what you're saying. But so how someone is going to listen to that and go like, does that really, that's like, okay, that's like, you know, 60 bucks, maybe does that matter? Is that's going to bring me? So what do you say to those people that are like, that's, that's not going to be enough to like, you know, bring me any kind of ch- lifestyle change? For sure. Um, and you're right in a way, right? It's like, yeah, when, you, when you're when you looking at this big hole that you might be in, and I've been there, I've been in credit card debt, I've been like, this is hopeless. The little amounts don't seem like they're going to add up to much. But again, if you know your numbers, it becomes a problem of not how do I get out of this hopeless um, hole that I've dug? It becomes a problem of, okay, I'm $2,000 in debt. I'm $10,000 in debt, or I need $10,000 to put a down payment on a home, whatever it is, it becomes a number, right? Mm-hmm. So then, then all of the little numbers become meaningless because one adds up to another, to another, to another, and then you're on your way to some concrete goal, not this abstract, you know, wish if right. that makes sense. And it, and it is like that mindset that the little steps, like you said, take a baby step, you know, mm-hmm. just take that little baby step. And I like the idea of the, I actually do like the idea of the pause thing because until you, you're not committing to like getting rid of it forever, you no. know, we can all use like an evaluation of that. So that, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Listen um, to free podcast for a month and, and see. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, so then the other question I had was, um, Okay. So I'll I'll share something with the credit card debt. I totally think that that's something that if you're in credit card debt, you need to do as a, as a teacher out of my twenties and in my thirties, I'm out of credit card debt now. Um, But I couldn't get out of it because I didn't realize the fluctuations of an artist. So, you know, you have to know your fluctuations. So I would do well, it was in this cycle for like a decade where I would get you know, I'd have like $10,000 credit card debt. And then I would pay it off between September and June, not pay it off, but pay it down. We'll say that. And I would, I would see like a light at the end of the tunnel and then summer would come and I would be back in September, the same place that I ended up with. And, you know, that was just part of our job. And you had to like, plan for the summer. Like it took me a long time to look not only at my own numbers, but the fluctuations of them. So, you know, I was ambitious and thinking that, Oh, I could pay it off. And what I had to do was kind of just plan for the summer more. So it's like plan as an artist, knowing that there's some fluctuation so that you don't get into this credit card cycle of that. A hundred percent. What a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so when I, when I got involved in this uh, money mindset course, like I said, back in 2017, it sort of led me one step to another into finding this um, personal finance debt-free community on Instagram, which is wonderful. And one of the biggest things that they advocate for is having an emergency fund uh, before you start investing. So, um, and that was a huge game changer for me because like, as you describe the, f- the freelance income, the variable income is all over the place. So you can have a great few months and then suddenly 
you have nothing to rely on except a credit card for anything that comes up, whether it be an emergency or just a regular life expense, right? So leaning on a credit card as an emergency fund really did get me into trouble as well. Right. And I don't know if you realize um, in in Newfoundland here, uh, we had um, a record snowstorm in January. It was like literally businesses shut down for eight mm-hmm. days. It was like a pre pandemic like dress rehearsal rehearsal. (laughs) yeah so I was like wow really I'm really glad I have this like little emergency fund now that my Mm -hmm. gigs are canceled for for a week or whatever and then March hit and all all the I was like wow so emergency fund is really huge yeah and again like uh, even before definitely before you start investing because because what happens if you if you invest money without having cash on hand for something that comes up, right. You're going to, you're going to be stuck back in the, at square one again. Right. And I want to back for the, for the United U S people that are listening to it. Um, there was something that I actually read it in Forbes magazine. Cause I did not know about it, but it was a small business loan separate than the, um, the personal production. I don't know if they still have money, but the thing is, is it was very, very low interest rate. So if you find a loan that is very low interest rate, like that one was like, I think I was offered, I'm, I'm don't quote me on this. I mean, it was really low 2%. I'm just going to say 2%. Um, so if you have a 23% interest credit card and you get, there's a way to find a loan for less than that. Sometimes credit unions can can do that. When I was young, um, I used actually my dad's credit union because the children of their of those employees could use that. So there might be some other things. So look outside the box if you're in credit card debt to see if there are lower interest um, opportunities. It's You're not hopeless. It's not a hopeless situation. So exactly. And I'm not a financial advisor, but you know, I think it's important, like you say, to be in that solutions mindset, like assume that there is a way out, assume that there is a way that you can fix this. Mm -hmm. And then you might, you might find something that, that can help you, you know? Right. Right. Um, Yes, that's good. It ends. Let's let's talk about. Um, let's see what was the other thing. Oh, the rates. Okay, let's just talk about the rates because this is one thing that you had had talked about. This. So I'm a big advocate for people charging what they're worth, and mm-hmm. you know, one thing that I've seen on a lot of Facebook groups in particular is artists way undervaluing themselves and to, to build up a practice. Say you lost half your students and you think the solution is, well, I'm going to go way under market to get a lot of students. Why is that a bad idea? Yeah, it totally is a bad idea. And I, it's so tempting to do that, right? Cause again, you're in that place of, of fear of, of not, not getting enough clients, not getting enough money. And it's so hard to operate a business from a place of fear and what I have learned over and over again, whether it's from private students or, or taking gigs, we've all taken gigs that were like, ah, oh, this gig is not paying me enough, but I'm going to do it. Turns out to be terrible. Um, I've learned it with my Airbnb, like uh, accepting guests for lower than, than I know that I should just because I'm really afraid of like, you know, not, not making enough is that you attract people and opportunities that are not right for you. And when you are in that situation, you're going to spend a lot of time and energy and maybe even money um, dealing with those clients that are not a good fit for one another. You're not going to be able to help them and they're not going to be able to take 
you know, the best things that you have to offer because you're just, you're just not a good fit. So, um, I talk about this in my automate your admin course as well that I know you're going to talk about later, but, um, just the idea of having boundaries and, and why it's actually better for you to say, no, this is what I'm worth. This is what I teach. This is what I'm best at and offer that into the world. And then you're going to get the people who are on the same level as you become your clients or your students or whatever it is. And, um, you're going to spend, you're going to have to spend way less time and energy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you're just going to be you, you're just going to be doing what you do best. Yeah. I imagine that's that let's just say that you charging, we'll just use half, half of what you feel like your, your fee should be worth. If you raise, it's going to take you forever to raise incrementally to get up to what you're worth. Um, because it's going to be really hard to, to raise double to the student base that you, you have. So you got to think of it that way. You're also, it's long-term, right? Because, um, if you have the student and, and like you probably, like I have a lot of students for many, many, many years that, you know, you're going to be not only charging this rate for now, but you're going to have a hard time in five years from now. Yeah. Math, what the, the industry standard is. So, um, it's, it's a tricky place. You don't want to put yourself Right. And industry standards are tricky too, is what I was just going to say, because, um, you know, while uh, industry standards have gone up, they're still so far behind what other industries are charging. So I think that they're like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you can't just go say skyrocket above industry rates, but also don't take them as, you know, as law or anything like you should charge according to the value that you're giving, I believe. So, you know, take a minute looking at your bio. I mean, take a minute to list out all your accomplishments and all of your accolades and all of your experience and your teaching and your license or whatever that you, it is that you have, whatever credentials, and just be like, look at the value that I'm offering and and see what number feels good for you. And maybe if it is half, um, mm-hmm. maybe you say, okay, for each new client, I'm now going to charge this rate. I mean, there's nothing saying that you have to incrementally bump up maybe the, your existing students, maybe. Existing students. That's a great way to get out of that is if you have, because I, I, I bet there's going to be some people that are like, I've already done that. You know, any new person you get, you can just say that, you know, it is, this is the rate. Um, and yeah. you can just, you can have that. Yeah, totally. but I think that a lot of artists are in that, and that goes again to the anxiety, the the procrastination, the fear, you know, mindset is that, oh my God, you know, I need to, I need students, and so you you charge things that are um, way way below. Mm-hmm. Now about building and wealth and investing, can you talk a little bit about that? How does one get into that, um, and and what are some suggestions that you have? Yeah. So, um, I guess first, like kind of what we've been talking about, it all comes down to back to mindset. Um, one of the things that I've, I've liked to remember is that you, you won't, you'll never out earn your beliefs. So if you, if you don't believe that you're, you know, capable of, like you say, raising your rates, or if you don't believe that you're capable of, of one day having a net worth of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, then, like if that feels really impossible to you, then you know that you have some mindset work to do. Mm. Um, in terms of actually, uh, you know, doing it and actually getting into investing, I mean, I think that's the part that shocked me the most is how it's not that complicated. 
Hmm. If you go to, if you get the right information, the biggest barrier is thinking that it's not for us, that it's not something that we have access to as artists, that it's not Mm -hmm. something that jives with our identity, that it's not something that, you know, we'll have the time to do if we're, if we're living a life of, of an artist being creative. And those things are just myths. Um, So in terms of getting into investing, I entered through, through real estate investing uh, just because that was something that came along in my world. Mm-hmm. And then I moved into um, investing in index funds or ETFs that track the total market um, according to, you know, like I said, again, look at per- personal finance community um, just by reading books and following blogs and following um, Instagram accounts that are, are really into this stuff. And once you learn it once, then you just repeat it. Uh, it's, it's not like you have to spend hours and hours and hours maintaining, um, your investments every year or every month. So I think the place to start would be, um, education. I know that there's a great site for the U S called Investopedia. I know that there's, a one of the biggest books that people recommend reading is called the simple path to wealth by JL Collins, uh, which lays out the, what index funds are and why um, investing in the total stock market uh, index funds are a great idea. And on Instagram, there's a guy called uh, personal finance club who lays out some excellent infographics on um sort of different investment scenarios and how they translate over time. Like you say, small amounts. I think, I think that if I had known, I don't know what you think, like in university, if someone had said to me, okay, you're 18, 19 years old, you're going into a career in the arts. It's going to have its ups and downs. But if you invest $250 a month into the stock market, you're going to be fine. Like when you, when you reach, 60 or 65. I mean, like, how would that have changed the way that you sort of live yeah. and work? Like just knowing everything was going to be okay, you know? Right. I think, you know, and for me, since I didn't have that, I, I spent a lot of time doubting myself and a lot of time like waffling between career choices and kind of one foot in, one foot out. But um, I really think like once you have that financial piece figured out, then you're going to spend a lot less time second guessing yourself and more time focusing it on what it is that you love to do, right? The, the reason why you're in your career in the first place. I love that. I love that. Now, let me just bring it to a practical question. Like mm-hmm. we're in the time of COVID right now and the stock market is high and I don't understand the stock market. I, you know, to be, we have 13% unemployment in the United States yeah. and there's disaster everywhere. I, I actually asked my therapist, I'm like, I don't understand the stock market. She said, it's all based on emotion. I'm like, well, geez, I don't know if I want to invest in an emotionally based energy. Mm-hmm. Is it- good time to invest in the stock market or would you wait if you haven't done it? So this is one of the big um, lessons of learning about personal finance as well is that unless you have the mindset to stick it in for the, uh, to to stick it out rather for the long haul, then yeah, again, you got some mindset work to do. So um, if you're talking about short-term investing, um, then maybe the stock market, um, isn't for you because of the volatility that it can experience right in, in the short term, but over the long term, 
as if you'll read J.L. Collins' book, um, you'll discover the market always goes up. So if you had invested like a thousand bucks in the stock market in 1900 or whatever, it, it would be worth like $50 million or something today, I think I read. So it's just about um, looking, taking your long-term view and Personal Finance Club, the um, Instagram account I follow and many other uh, accounts online will have um, investment calculators so you can see what your numbers might look like if you invest in the total stock market over, say, 30 years, 20 years, whatever it is, mm-hmm. with different amounts, with different frequency. And timing the market is just not something that anyone could do. If they could do it, they would be just like trillionaires, like it would mm-hmm. be off the charts. So, given that the market always goes up over time, I think. You know, they say the best time to invest was yesterday, but the second best time is today, right? So mm. got to get in on the long term. Okay. Gotcha. So it's it's really, that is the mindset thing of thinking about it long term and as as opposed to, and, and don't pay attention to the ups and downs. That's what exactly. you're saying. And that was hard. Like, I was, put it in and just like not even deal with, deal with like thinking oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And that's hard because it, it, when, when COVID hit, of course, it was my first like my first year in the stock market and suddenly I just see everything tank. Right. And human, you know, human emotion might dictate that, Oh my God, I got to get out and sell. But now at the end of the year, everything is back up higher than it was, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So you got to, yeah, you got to be able to stick it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I wish I would have invested when that happens because I, you know, but anyway, same. I didn't either because I was like <laughs> holding on to my money, right? I was like, no way. I was just, I don't know what's happening. Uh-huh. So you gave some good books. I'm going to definitely check out some of those books and, and some of, follow some of those people on Instagram. Um, one thought that I haven't specifically, this is about retirement as an artist. And so I'll speak to myself. I don't know. This is just me. Totally. But I don't really ever have a full plan of fully retiring ever because I love what I do. And it's just that that thought. And it's always been that thought. And maybe that's prevented me from investing and thinking about the future to the point um, where I should have a little bit earlier. It's like, you know, retirement, that's for like, you know, people that are, you know, doctors and lawyers and people that don't want to practice their entire existence and plan on retiring at 65. I'm not, that's not going to be me. Why is it a good idea to invest even if you have this mindset that I'm I'm an artist, I don't retire. There is no retirement in arts. I love that question. Yeah. <laughs> and that goes back to the binary mindset again, right? Like it has to be one way or the other, right? Uh-huh. Um, which it doesn't. I mean, I like like you said, I'm a saxophone player and um I love to go on tour. I I hope that I'm sitting in a van when I'm 65 like still going to on tour. Um the point is not to give up working entirely. It's just to give up those gigs and those jobs that we don't want to work anymore, right? To, to only work the jobs that we love. That's the idea. It's about freedom. It's about the freedom of choice. It's about the freedom to spend your time how you see fit. It's about, you know, the freedom to have the, have the money to, to spoil your grandkids or to um, give to charity or to you know, make an endowment to the arts or whatever is meaningful to you. Um, but I think getting hands, uh, getting money into the hands of artists, it can only do good things in the world, right? Um, and if you don't want to retire at 65, that's totally cool. But 
at least you're covered for any emergency that happens. At least you don't have to live with that feeling of anxiety about money all the time. You know, like, isn't that, isn't that a great, a great thing to strive for? Like to just kind of take money out of the picture and not have to worry about it anymore. I think that's what, I think that's what I'm aiming for. Just, just be able to do whatever I want and never have to think about money again. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And and so I liked it. It's the freedom of choice and, and to get rid of some of that anxiety. I think I read somewhere that the number one reason for divorce was money. You know, it's not, it's just money arguments. And so um, as artists and in relationships, I'm imagining that, you know, if you could put some agreements and put some plan in place, it would make your life a lot more, you know, easy and content because you have that plan in place and it's harder with two people. I know. I, I, I do know that that's harder with, with two people. Yeah. And even if you don't like hit some number or whatever, like by a certain age, isn't it better than, you know, never doing anything at all? At least you'll have a, you'll have something. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, it's definitely, yeah. Eliminate it from your relationships too. What a great point. Just and you don't know what's going to happen, you know? So, I mean, the only, if, you know, if there was, there was some kind of health thing or an mm-hmm. emergency that was beyond your emergency fund reserve to have, to know that that is there, that would take that away. Because even in the time of COVID, I had, I was talking to the nutritionist that we were working, uh, that was on, um, Stacey Kennedy. She had mentioned that just having an action plan to stay healthy and was, a lot of the anxiety you could take a lot of the anxiety out of that equation because mm-hmm. you have an action plan i'm going to take the, my supplements i'm going to eat well i'm going to exercise and that, therefore already that was reducing the anxiety if you reduce the anxiety then it's less chance of you getting sick and i guess you could say that with money too if you take some of the anxiety out of money you are making yourself mentally healthier, which makes you physically healthier, which will actually be an investment because a lot of the big expenses, 65 and over, are health. And so if you can take some of those away, you know, you're actually in a better place. Um, yeah. And how would that how would that make us better artists, too, if, if we weren't yeah. experiencing so much so much financial stress? They, they call it financial well-being, I think, and, and financial health for a reason, because because it does tie into your physical well-being as well. I love that. I love that idea. Um, so then, you know, we are at the time of, of COVID right now. And what is your thoughts on the arts? I mean, we had this whole thing about essential. And I've talked to a couple artists about this. Like, you know, we, at least here in the U.S., it was like essential workers. And arts was not one of the essential things. Why is mm-hmm. the arts essential to from a from a perspective of just the the I guess the economic um presentation of the world why is arts essential oh man I really uh looking around the world I really don't want to live in a world without without arts like without the arts that we've maybe been taking for granted right like I don't it's it's profoundly um, affected my life and I think the lives of, of anyone who gets joy from a live performance. Um, I, I think that, you know, even, even people who aren't artists, the thing that they turn to for comfort and the thing that they turn to for, you know, stress relief is, is the arts. It's, it's movies, it's TV, it's books, it's music, it's, it's whatever. Um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't want to live in a world without, without art. And if we don't uh, continue to invest in our arts organizations and, you know, keep them running, then it's going to have an effect on what happens when we're not living in this time anymore. Right. They're going to, some are going to disappear. Some are going to be um, smaller. Some are going to be offering, you know, less programming. So it's really important to keep that going. Absolutely. I totally agree. And yes, I, 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 I really hope that it comes back um, and people starts, you know, flooding the gates to Broadway and all these yeah. organizations that have not had a performance in a, oh my gosh, it'll be a year or plus by the time we get going again. So, mm-hmm. um, so the, tell us about your, your offerings and, and you mentioned a little bit about your website. What is automate your admin and why should people sign up for it? I created automate your admin because, as a private music teacher, because I think that artists should treat themselves more like entrepreneurs. We tend instead to do everything ourselves, right? We tend to try and keep track of all of our income on a, on a spreadsheet. And we tend to, you know, send all the emails and we tend to take every request that comes to us. So I have begun using automated systems to sort of pretend like I have a administrative assistant or something to take away the problems that people need to come to me directly. Because once again, I know that my value is in actually teaching. It's in actually, you know, um, keeping up my performing. It's in me doing the things that make me a better artist, that make me a better teacher. It's not spending all of my time fielding questions about, can I reschedule to, to next Wednesday? You know what I mean? So I created Automate Your Admin to help people set up automated systems for client scheduling and invoicing. So um, when people book a lesson with me or when I enter it into my system, it automatically generates invoices and tracks my revenue for the year, which allows me to bu- budget better and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that course is just $27 Canadian. So it's probably even less for you guys. And um, yeah, I, I also talk about like your effective hourly rate. So we talked about raising your rates a little bit, but um, I don't think enough uh, artists think enough about all of the work that goes into running their self-employed work, that's not actually, you know, that hour of teaching or whatever. There's, you know, all of the correspondence, all of the organization. So when you add up the hours that you spend doing all those little tasks, again, the little things add up, you might realize that you're not earning $50 an hour. You're only earning maybe $35 an hour. So investing in some of those resources to give you back more time actually you know, is a, a great investment um, for you. That's a really great way, great way to look at it because there is so much time outside of it. And I think that um, helping to educate your students or the students' parents um, is also helpful so that they know that you're not just buying for that half hour or hour lesson time. It's, it's a lot of... Um, it's a lot of work behind the scenes to bring that to you. So that, that could help with clients, building clients. So that sounds like a great course and only $27. And I think that I'm a huge um, advocate for just educating yourself, especially since a lot of artists like me and you did not get a whole lot of business. You, you have yeah. to get out there and learn it yourself. Don't accept, yeah. like you said, the mindset. Don't accept that I'm a starving artist. I, I hate that term, you know, because I think that, um, 
you do have to, and I taught you, we, we were both educators. You do have to educate people that, you know, if you don't like hustling, if you're just wanting a paycheck and a, and a retirement plan, the arts is not the, the place for you. you. There's easier ways to make money. Mm-hmm. But if you do choose this course, this course of, of, um, you know, lifestyle and career path that you don't have to be a starving artist, that it's more work than, than that, because you're, you're not only an artist, but you're that music preneur, like you said, you know, you are an entrepreneur as well as an artist Yeah. at the same time wearing two hats. Um, so that's why people should get out and educate themselves and make it easier. I like that idea of, of actually paying yourself a, a higher hourly worry by, reducing or automating as you say some of those those tasks that take time totally that um so can you give us your uh website and instagram one more time and i am going to go ahead and put this in the bio link so if you're not near a pencil and you want to grab some of these things i will put them in the episode notes and you can you can grab them later but go ahead and tell us your um, all your details everywhere people can find you. Thank you so much. I would love it if you would follow me on Instagram at Artist with Abundance. My website and blog is artistwithabundance.com. And I also have the links to my free PDF and my course, and also a wait list for um, a more substantial course on financial literacy for artists. They're all available on my Instagram links as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and spending some time with us, Nicole. Um, it's uh, It was very educational for me. And I think hopefully some people will kind of reevaluate their mindset and, um, and take those steps that you mentioned so that they can have more freedom and more joy and less anxiety um, in their life. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, and review. We would be very grateful. And until next week, bye-bye.